0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Canopy Boulder Cannabis Business Podcast. I am Celia Daly, and today we are going to be doing a little bit of a recap rerun um, because it's the middle of the summer, and what better to do in the middle of the summer than a little bit of a rerun? So today I'm going to be playing some audio from our Jumpstart Conference back in January. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, our Jumpstart Conference is a little mini kind of half-day conference that we do twice a year. Where um, we bring in sort of industry professionals, people working in the space, to talk about you know what their challenges are, where the opportunities live, and sort of what's changing. Um, and we do this because the industry changes so fast; um, it's pretty hard to keep up, even for us. And this is what we do all day, every day at Canopy Boulder. Um, and so it's important that we sort of bring everybody together, talk about what's going on, with the hope that this sparks some sort of genius ideas in the minds of entrepreneurs who come up with the next greatest. Um, business in cannabis. So I'm going to play some audio for you. This is our operators panel. So on this panel, you're going to hear from Nancy Whiteman uh, from Wanda Brands. You're going to hear from Ryan Brown uh, of Native Roots. And you're also going to hear from Graham Carlson from CW Hemp or Charlotte's Web. Um, And that's all going to be moderated by Patrick Ray, our fearless leader here at Canopy Boulder. So give that a check out. And just a little shameless plug, if this is interesting to you, if you like this content, we are holding our sort of second Jumpstart Conference of the Year next week in Denver, Colorado. So that is July 25th in Denver, Colorado. Um, I will put a little link to that event in the description of this episode so you can check that out. But you can also always find it on our website at CanopyBoulder.com. So I'm going to go ahead and play this, and I hope you enjoy our little midsummer rerun.
1: So one of the things that um, we love to ask all of our Jumpstart panelists is not about their successes and their glory stories, but their frustrations, right? Because with frustration uh, comes opportunity. With opportunity, if you're like us, you think entrepreneurship, right? Entrepreneurial opportunity. So uh, Brian, um, certainly
2: you run a big organization. How many so with our Canadian stores opening in a few weeks here, really, uh, we have approximately 650 folks, uh, and working on another 50 or so in Canada in the next like three months. Wow. So, you know, your teams
1: you see challenges all the time. If you can snap your fingers and have someone solve a problem or frustration that you see in the cannabis industry, that you see when you're running your business on a daily basis, what would that problem
2: be? Yeah, it's a fabulous question. I actually, I, I can't help but use my little Bible here uh, so that I can provide some, some, uh, some insight without getting too distracted. So, um, in thinking about our organization, we have uh, approximately 26 different locations that we operate out of, so different buildings people focused on either a set of production tasks, cultivation tasks, administrative tasks, um, uh, servicing the customer, uh, any and all of those types of things. So as our organization has grown, the structure and the way that we manage our organization has evolved a lot, Um, and every evolutionary process has introduced its own challenge, uh, and I find that 95% of my time is making sure it works, um, which is a, a challenge. Um, but uh, in so doing, the the big- critical thing that uh, becomes harder um, in my personal experience as as we've got bigger. And so for I guess the the thing that I would say is at this point ways in Deliver that information to a diverse set of individuals uh, within the organization. I think is is huge. Awesome. You got to talk to this guy, uh, Andrew Duffy of Best and Grow. But
1: Nancy, same question to you. Snap your fingers. Solve the problem. Make your life great. Is that like a transports you to like a to <laughs> island yeah. or a...
3: You know, I was thinking about this because. Uh, A reliable crystal ball, so I could. challenges we have as the That complexity, knowing that there's so much innovation, and we're certainly in the first half of the first inning in terms of product development, but knowing that it has to be communicated through to the customer and how we do that effectively is probably our biggest long-term strategic challenge. That's
1: a great answer. Look, we've got some uh, two people on the same issue. So, Graham,
4: you wanna so for us right now, even despite far a little Like. Um, and just looking at other internet advertising where we're currently being blocked. It's kind of a larger challenge. Post farm bills, you have all of these other sub governmental agencies or smaller ones that are going to take a while to get on board. So I think that would be something where we could really grow awareness for our product if we had access to that. And then number two, I would say, would be harmonizing the definition of having based on THC in the European market and world market. So now just looking. You know, I look at Europe, and I'm like, well, Switzerland's 1%, Italy's at 0.6, UK zero. So you're almost forced into a situation where you're almost like OEM, just like you are state-by-state, state, where you're having to produce within these countries. So that's something else that we're looking at and working on, too.
1: So. Um, one of the other questions I had was, you've uh, all kind of commented on uh, communication. Slack channels, everything.
2: We do all-hands videotape meetings where we pull all of our teams across all of our sites um, together or some configuration. We tend to have people working 24-7 pretty much at this point, uh, so it's complicated to get all those people together. We also use Slack and some other means. And then for those that um, like a good business read, I'm like a total business read dork, uh, is uh, this book, Measure What Matters. And so we we articulate some of our strategies through um, objectives and key results. For those stories out there. Okay. I love you all. Nancy, uh, business
1: books. I think it's a great one, just because it's so nice to get these recommended reading lists out there. Nancy and Graham, any books that you feel have had this massive impact on you or
3: your organization? Um, you know, I have a book called non-
1: I read that for this morning. Um, <laughs> let's open up the panel to some questions. I've got um, the illustrious Diane Tarkowski.
3: Thank you. Hi, uh, Ryan. I have a question for you. As you're um, building your organization, how do you make everything homogenous so everybody's using the same point of sale?
2: Spend a lot of time trying to balance what's critical to actually make homogenous and what's important to not. So um, we uh, we for a long time tried to make everything the exact same at every single store and spent a lot of time undoing a lot of that work uh, because we were not creating and tailoring the uh, experience and the products that. So from a, from a technology stuff, we sort of centralize the things we can, and we do that early. And we've done it early for efficiency's sake. Uh, and, uh, and we spend a lot of time then trying to make sure that we're gathering global insights and allow for some innovation. You know? I guess we'll, we'll, uh, we'll lean a little bit on the let's have things get a little bit chaotic to make sure we can learn, rather than everything is exactly the same we don't have those opportunities for local learnings to bubble up you know that that leads me to another question Um,
1: you know you're talking about um, making your business run better um, a lot and a lot of the folks in attendance here are entrepreneurs in the ancillary products and services sectors I'm sure your inboxes uh, and the inboxes of your team are constantly full of entrepreneurs who want to pitch you their solution. Um, let's start with Graham. Uh, Graham, what's the best way for a vendor or, or somebody interested in working with you and helping you solve a problem, from the outside entrepreneur perhaps, how, what's the best way for them to engage with a company like yours? It's
4: actually really hard. I mean, I get a lot of stuff where I simply won't have time. than someone who is moderately in my circle, that can really sometimes
2: be super brief, I think the other thing, too, is I try not to be the only door into the company. Um, And uh, I think people view the CEO often as the door. um, And that is a door, certainly. Uh, But I do empower, and I, I like to empower the folks that are focusing on various aspects of.
3: all of these complicated you know, consumption methods, turbines, indica versus sativa, are they real things? You know, all of these different things that are coming out, what research are you guys most excited about? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we spent a huge amount of time sort of scanning the industry, um, trying to understand what is out there effects, not just marketing words, but actually something um, that's that's real. And I think the rise of sort of the user experience
4: up to do thousands of acres, how are you getting this down, working with your DOA, and having your inspection, getting everything dry and done quickly? I,
2: yeah, I would echo the same. You know, honestly, I, some of the research
1: I have, because I think it dovetails to this conversation, is you know when when states legalize, generally the consumers are just happy to be able to buy legal weed. You know they're just like yeah, <laughs> oh, let's go and get a big bag and have fun, um, treat our conditions. And so I wonder if are we, you know, Colorado has been in this game for a while, right? And are we at a point in Colorado where consumers science, testing, and uh, moving beyond that stage?
2: Yeah, I guess I'll start. I I think that uh, the Colorado consumer is one of the smartest consumers in the world at this point in terms of cannabis product. Uh, Some of the same trends in, let's say, like 2014, I see in our Canadian operations uh, today. So, and I've seen that a couple times, um, how people are thinking about products are being sold and marketed. Um, the history is repeating itself. The timeline to accelerate to where we are seems to go faster, but where the is at seems to be somewhat similar. I do think um, there's becoming way more preference in product that mirrors, at this point, what we see in any other consumer packaged good type manufacturing model. So there's people who are looking for uh, vegan products right now more than for all of the variants of products that they would expect from any other consumable um, in the cannabis space, which I actually think is an incredible sign for entrepreneurs who are looking to specifically target what they do excellent to a particular market.
3: This is just a fascinating question for me, and it's it's one that we're constantly um, we should exchange what we love in terms. Um, I I think that we are at a point, even in Colorado, which I consider to be the most uh, mature and sophisticated market in the country, perhaps in the world at this point, um, where I think the technology is probably going to start leaping ahead of where consumers are actually at in terms of their own understanding of cannabis and how it works. And so that, you know, for a product manufacturer like like my company, what that means is that we always have to be watching where it's going, but having sort of the art of sensing when the time is right to release a product that's a little bit more sophisticated. And I think even in Colorado, um, we're, we're beyond just, uh, I want to get as high as I can get. I think people are a lot more nuanced than that in terms of what they're looking for and how they use products, but in terms of you know explaining various types of nanotechnology and and how that impacts quick onset and why you should choose this technology versus that technology. Uh, we're not there yet. that. Um, and we have to feed it out to people, I think, in little digestible chunks that they can
4: understand. I think you have to be really smart about product line and when you extend it and what you're expecting out of your customer. Because you can look at something similar. I think with CBD in the global market, it's a little similar to like potentially a ripple. How long did Ripple have once? CBD is the same way in some applications, but you don't need a CBD Dorito. You really don't. You. I think it really makes sense to focus on... About, uh, what, so I think it makes sense. I mean, there's... There's so much market still to explore and mm-hmm. penetrate, especially with different older demographics and people coming into the market, but I think when you're balancing your bandwidth and what you're doing, it makes a lot of sense to, mm-hmm. to stay focused and be really intentional About when you are putting on your product. Any questions back here? Sorry, you guys can't see me. all the way.
3: Market where like in Texas for instance, there's a lot of land and there's a lot of potential growth and a lot of growers, but it's so slow behind it. it's not really innovative right now. So do you guys actually plan uh, to actually get into like a Texas market or like a a market to where it's a lot of room to grow, like a lot of space? And I I guess my second question would be, what's actually a great founding team member size because you guys grew within like nine years. So just to
4: Yeah, good questions.
2: I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll take the first one and then I'll send the second one down this way. Um, so, um, in terms of expansion, uh, everybody probably has their own strategy based on their business objectives. Um, and at Native Roots, we look at a combination of uh, what is the potential consumer base look like, um, what is the regulatory environment stability, how do we think that that's going to change over time. Uh, what are the business barriers? And you know, I, I would say we're fortunate in this, but I look for very high barriers. Uh, I want high barriers. Uh, I love Colorado's competitive marketplace for sure, because it's it creates iron. Um, and uh, it'd be it'd be nice to be able to leverage that in a less contentious marketplace. So in Texas, if um, ultimately some legislative things pass and public opinion evolves. And, dominoes fall, uh, then I think it will be a great market.
3: I'm personally loving watching Oklahoma uh, try to gain ascendancy over Texas. It's really funny to watch. Um, <laughs> I'm going to uh, address the, the second uh, part of the question, which I think you were asking. I've lost your story. You were asking um, of how large a founding team? Like how you have a founding team.
1: Do you see a lot of turnover? relatively stable.
3: Um, it has stayed relatively stable I would say we we are Yeah, we have a chief operating officer and we have a CFO. We're not the we, CRO thing. So it really has been driven by what the business needs as opposed to any preconceived notion of what the team should look
1: like. So when you first started out, we actually didn't go off of facing jobs and our goals that stereotypes. We, yeah, we, we just did everything. Who, how many people, <laughs> like day one, Nancy, how many people say <laughs> <laughs> And how many people
4: now? About 80. 80. Yeah. Wow. Man. Seriously. Okay. I mean, um, you want to tackle that one? To do that one? I would just say, even if you're not going to hire that person that day, have a have a map of when you're going to need people. Just start looking for good people, minimum three months before. Just know that that's there because it takes a long time to find good
1: people. One of the, one of the things we tell the teams is well, a big part of your job as a CEO of this. You are constantly networking, you're constantly at, uh, sort of serving your room, whoever's around you in your circle, talking to folks, pre sort of pre, you know, uh, knowing that there's going to be hires coming down the road and making sure you're ready with talent. So we're we're, we're running out of time for the panel, so I'm I, I, I appreciate it. We're going to try to like wrap this up uh, so we can end and get uh, keep everything. One last question. Uh, with all the changing changes going on at the federal level. Gardner and Trump, McConnell and the Hemp Farm Bill. Uh, Schumer talking about descheduling. Uh, John Boehner and Ascend. I mean, uh, what are your predictions for 2019?
2: We try and spend a lot of time not trying to marry ourselves to one particular outcome and try and have options. So we have a plan that we like, and we hope it happens, and we understand how we're going to adjust in different environments. So I, I think that that's just key, because you can spend a lot of money heading down a path that doesn't matter. Um, So, with all that said, um, I think that uh, there are potentially two things that are gonna happen in the next little while. Um, I'll try not to speak to a time frame. I think that we might be walking towards an economic downturn of some sort, hopefully a small one. I think that that's gonna add a tremendous amount of pressure for states that don't have cannabis to want the tax revenue. It's the most accepted um, uh, political position, in the United States right now um, and there's broad consensus really on both sides of the aisle there are just some key leaders that uh, pre- prevents legislation and, and things like that from moving forward so I think it will take a while until there's full scheduling probably Maybe. but I do think something like the States Act um, will probably pass which essentially treats states that have passed uh, cannabis legislation as federally legal within those states. Um, so I think something like that will pass. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. Write your congressman, uh, and uh, and that could happen within the next two three years. Oh. <laughs> <CD>. hot, hot <laughs> mic. I know. Right.
3: I'm gonna just uh, remember that crystal ball. I have to agree with Ryan. I think the whole industry, our focus right now, should be on getting the state's act passed. I think that's first and foremost the most important thing we have to do. I personally don't think we're going to see federal legalization uh, until uh, at least 2020, if not beyond yeah. uh, So perhaps,
4: hemp I think the thing significant thing we're definitely going to see in 2019 is uh, larger CPG proctors and Gamble Johnson and Johnson's coming and trying to acquire. Made this call I maybe mean, five years ago, so I'm just going to stick with it. I think we'll see federal legalization in two years, maybe three years.
1: And my prediction for 2019 is that with the Farm Bill passing, legalization of CBD and hemp, we're going to see a flood of institutional capital from venture capital, private equity.
0: Well, that's it. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you liked that recap. I hope to see you all at the Jumpstart Conference next week in Denver on July 25th. Um, And that's it. Make sure you write us a review and rate us, and we will see you next time.
1: Now for the disclaimers please do not take any information from the Canopy Boulder podcast or its guests as investment advice. Be sure to contact your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. So thank you for listening and please join us for another Canopy Boulder podcast episode coming to you soon.